Our guest today is Misty McClellan, and she's the executive director for the American Red Cross for Central and Southwest Oklahoma. Good morning, Misty. Good morning, George. Thank you so much for having me. We are happy to uh, talk to you and get some information about the the Red Cross out to our our audience and uh, talk about the very important work that uh, the agency does. And, of course, we we hear about the Red Cross uh, just all the time uh, during natural disasters and emergencies and things like that. But uh, just a really big uh, critical issue uh, announced by the Red Cross uh, this week. We wanted to talk about that this morning. Absolutely. It's hard for me to, to explain how, how dire the circumstances are around our national blood shortage. Um, seasonal blood shortages are not uncommon in the United States. So what makes this situation particularly unique is the many compounding factors that are at play, such as you know, COVID-19, um, staffing challenges, the holidays, our supply chain issues, severe winter weather in parts of our country. So these challenges have resulted in a, a really low blood turnout, maybe the lowest blood inventories in more than a decade. So it's really critical that we get this message out and that we uh, everybody just roll up your sleeve and pitch in and put some compassion into action. So for the first time in your history, you've issued a national blood emergency because of all these issues that have uh, kind of, it's kind of the perfect storm, if you will. It really is. You know, back in September of 2021, the Red Cross declared a blood shortage. So that's not uncommon because typically, you know, as we said, there's some seasonal uh, blood shortages. But following a public appeal, typically... We experience an increase in donations, and that really helps build our supply back for week by week. Um, we weren't able to do that this time because we had the Delta and now the Omicron variant of the COVID-19. There were other compounding pandemic factors, and so we didn't see the, the increase in donations that we generally do. So both hospitals and blood centers have We've all worked together, uh, developed strategies to manage through these shorter periods with limited blood supplies, but a prolonged and sustained blood shortage has just a much deeper impact on the critical work of our hospitals, of our doctors, uh, a critical impact on patient care. So, Do you have any numbers you can give us? I mean, do you have like an average number of uh, uh, blood units that are available on a daily basis and maybe... Uh, what the difference is on that right now? Sure. Generally, um, generally, there's at least uh, a four- or five-day supply of blood. Now, keep in mind that one donation, so one, one thing that, that you give, one, one uh, bag of blood that you would go give can save and impact up to three lives. So when we're talking about a one-day supply of, political, uh, of critical blood types, um, that's that's a huge impact, and we generally do uh, up, up to five days in uh, in reserve. And so it's just become to the come to the point now that with such a low uh, inventory, you know, when we're when we're dispensing the blood products to our local hospitals, we're having to say, you know, we know you ordered X amount, but here's a third of that. That's all we have. Wow, that is very scary, and uh, it really is. And you know, people are so good at when, when there is a crisis, uh, like the tornadoes in uh, Kentucky uh, last month, or you know, Hurricane Ida in New Orleans. You know, people are really good about getting out at the time of an emergency. 
But we'd like for those folks to be consistent donors so we don't have this problem anymore. Absolutely. You're so right. And one thing that's, uh, that makes it even more um, interesting is January is National Blood Donor Month. And so it's a time for us to, to celebrate and honor those who roll up a sleeve and help patients. Um, the National Blood Donor Month has been observed since 1970, so 50-some-odd years. Uh, and it, the goal was to increase blood and platelet, platelet donations during the winter because we know that it's one of the most difficult times of year to collect enough blood products to meet patient needs. Um, because of all of those uh, compounding factors that I mentioned, it's become, it's become even more difficult. And I just want to say that while the Red Cross appreciates the patients of blood donors and blood drive hosts, it's become a very difficult time with the, the latest challenges in the pandemic environment. There might not be an immediate appointment available or an individual may be asked to reschedule their blood appointment, but the Red Cross still needs donors. Um, the shorting, the staffage, the staffing shortages, excuse me, staffing shortages for both paid staff, our phlebotomists, and for our volunteers are at a critical, critical level. So even when we might have some, um, some blood drives scheduled throughout our chapter, if we don't have the full staff to support that, or if we don't have the donor output to support that, then those drives have to be canceled and we have to pivot what limited resources we have. So the need is for blood products, but also if that's not something that you can do, it's for volunteers. And so what can volunteers do to help out? I'm glad you asked, George. Volunteers, uh, you know, volunteers do 90% of the work of this Red Cross organization, and we literally could not deliver the mission of preventing and alleviating human suffering without them. So one of the things that uh, volunteers can do, you know, it, it's everything. We have, we have targeted positions that we are critical to fill, and that would be for the blood, uh, blood donor ambassadors or uh, somebody to a blood transportation specialist. So a blood donor ambassador, that would be somebody who could help uh, our staff secure these, host, these, these drives to, to support them, be the person at the front desk who will uh, check our donors in, make sure everything is running okay, just be that additional hand, boots on the ground support at the blood drives. But then once we have the blood, once the blood is processed, once these products are ready to go, we need volunteers to deliver them. So if you have some time and you like to drive, then that's a perfect way that you can support this, uh, this incredibly important um, issue right now. So is there some type of reimbursement for mileage? Or do they, uh, if they use their personal vehicle to, to do the transporting or anything like that? Well, they would be using a Red Cross vehicle. Oh, okay. So, so that's, that's one of the, the fun little uh, pieces of that. We wouldn't ask them. We wouldn't ask our volunteers to, to do something like that and use their personal vehicle. We do have our special Red Cross vehicles, particular for our blood transportation experts. Is there some certification or uh, uh, background checks that they need to go through before they can be uh, uh, signed on as a volunteer? Well, all of our volunteers at the Red Cross undergo some extensive onboarding. Um, we want to make sure that all of our volunteers are fully prepared and they understand uh, backwards and forwards the expectations of the job that they'll be doing. So we have we do have some extensive training depending on the volunteer position. Our volunteers do undergo background checks. 
We have, um, if they're, you know, if we're driving, we, we make sure all of those boxes are checked and everyone is set up for success. Now talk about the volunteers needed to support uh, the armed forces and uh, disaster response lines of service. Absolutely. You know, volunteers, again, I can't stress it enough, they are the lifeline of this organization. Everything, uh, every, everything that happens, we, we give them the credit for. So we have a critical need for volunteers in um, two specific places. We have our disaster side. So you'll hear people say our DAT team, our disaster action team. Um, or disaster recovery team or response team. And those are people who actually, you know, take the calls, those emergency calls in the middle of the night um, on the on the day that they're assigned to be on duty. They're the ones that help rally our volunteers to go put their arms around folks who are having the worst moment of their lives to offer comfort when comfort can't wait. So we have a need for our disaster side to be filled out with people who can respond. And obviously I'm not saying that you need to be ready to uh, to deploy and serve on a disaster response 24-7. Those things get broken out, and obviously we work with our volunteers to uh, accommodate their schedule, but it's dire. It's dire. We have to have the support of our volunteers so that we can go out and deliver this mission and support people who are hurting. Of course, uh, we're right smack dab in the middle of winter, and we just had uh, we're we're having a little bit of winter weather this weekend uh, after s- some really nice uh, weather earlier this week. But uh, I know you know, it's, s- just, it's it's wild. That, uh, you know, one of the things that I've noticed as uh, being part of this organization is there's been a real uh, a real shift in our our disaster patterns. Where we've moved from an acute to a chronic. Disaster pattern, and and when we say disasters, we're not just talking about um, weather-based disasters. Home fires are the number one uh, response that we that we respond to. It's um, in fact, 2022 has gotten off to just a heartbreaking start for many families. In the first week, in the very first week of 2022, we responded to 55 total home fires in Oklahoma. In the first nine days of the new year, the American Red Cross as a whole has responded to over 1,700 home fires. And so breaking that down even more, that means we provided help to more than 5,700 people. Some of them lost everything. Um, Some of them, there were about 125 lives lost since the year began. And, you know, we're, we're in day 14. 126 lives. So we're on target to actually to pass our uh, our home fire response. At this current rate, it could increase by 60%. And that's just too much because it's preventable. It's preventable. And we really work to get out in our communities and, and share that message, um, give those safety tips, provide uh, events where uh, we can go in and help you make these homes made safer, have these conversations, walk you through what it means to develop an escape route. And we have amazing resources both um, on our website and that we provide in person from our chapter. And, of course, uh, residents can uh, contact their local fire departments. Many of them give out free uh, smoke detectors and can uh, help install those uh, in many cases. 
In many cases, they can. That's one of our. That's one of the things that I'm very excited about. We're working on currently is, um, you know, nationally, the American Red Cross has a program called Sound the Alarm, and Sound the Alarm was uh, started several years ago with the intent to lower home fires and home fire deaths. Um, what we do is we partner with our our fire department in these communities. And we canvass uh, uh, targeted places in our communities. We go door to door. We have these home fire conversations. We install free smoke alarms. We do that education. And, and we know that we've, we're saving lives at that time. So, yes, we have these opportunities. If you have any questions, you can go on the website, www.redcross.org slash home fire. That's where you can find some of these resources, everything from prevent and prepare for home fires or how to respond during a home fire, how to recover after a fire. We have so many tools and resources that are at our uh, our disposal, and I don't know that people know so much about it. So I want to make sure that we get that information out there. Right. So uh, anytime, just go to the website, redcross.org, and a uh, very well put together website and a lot of information about uh, the issues we've talked about today and lots more. It really is, George. It's, it's kind of amazing. I, I find some new uh, information on there every day. But uh, to, to direct your listeners for this particular thing, at the very top on the right hand, it says Get Help. And that's where you would click to find out how to prepare for emergencies or the types of emergencies or these specific home fire safety tips that I've mentioned. And if anybody needs some assistance, uh, they can reach out or... Do you usually let the professional organizations do that if a family is needing some uh, some help? Absolutely. I would just encourage if you have any questions or if you have a concern or need, always call 1-800-RED-CROSS. That's 1-800-733-2767. And that will come directly, that will get, that will get routed directly to us, and we will be able to, to connect with you and, and work through what your immediate needs are and how we can support so talk about your work uh, as you travel throughout southwest Oklahoma. That's a lot of territory. You know, it is a lot of territory, but it's just my favorite. I was raised in this part of the, the state. I've worked. I was educated in this part of the state. I have friends and family. And so it feels very much like I'm really being, I'm really able to go back home and support the people that have supported me my whole life. I have such a, a fondness for this part of our state. So I love being able to go out in the community, meet with our volunteers. If there are any uh, civic organizations that would like to hear more about the Red Cross, I would love to come out and speak at any of your events. We really want to just make sure everyone knows that we're here and we're here to support. Do you chat to uh, public schools, too, I guess, and universities? Absolutely. Absolutely we do. You know, one of, the, one of my favorite things that, uh, that we offer some of this reprogramming this preparedness programming is that we can take it to our youth take it to our our schools and we'll go through our specific programs and teach kids this is what a fire alarm sounds like you know so that so that they understand and they know what that means it doesn't mean go hide it means get out go activate your plan um and we have those for different age groups and how to really make a difference within your family. One of the things I love so much is that in a very, very scary time, and we've all been through some of those scary weather events, it gives a kid something that they can control, and it gives a kid a peace 
that they can do for their family in their home. Um, and that, I think, is, is half the battle. And saw a really interesting news piece this week about a seven-year-old girl that pretty much saved her family uh, when she woke up in the middle of the night and found her, her house on fire and uh, saved everybody in the home. And there's uh, just nothing left in that home. But what a brave little girl. What a brave little girl. And let me tell you, you know, when you're in, in those times of, of high anxiety and high adrenaline, to be able to, to just automatically switch to the thing that you know for sure in your head and execute that escape plan, that comes from the preparedness piece. That comes from, from preparing and understanding and practicing and having these conversations so that it's not something that you have to reach for. It's just automatically there. I don't know about you, but I remember um, back when, when I was young, I would take these messages that I learned in school home. Uh, I, I was you know, chastising my parents for the water resources that we were wasting when the water was running as we were brushing our teeth or, you know, the Red Ribbon Week or all of these messages. And so we know that a good percentage of these messages come from the student or the, the child in the family. And so it, it doesn't surprise me that kids are saving lives. It doesn't surprise me that that girl uh, is a lifesaver. But I just can't stress enough the importance of that pre-preparedness piece. Again, information, uh, lots of great information at redcross.org. Uh, you've got a new regional director of communications that uh, is, uh, just came on board, I guess, huh? Yes, we do. We do. I'm so excited. He is such an amazing uh, addition to our team, Matthew Trotter. He sits at our regional office in Tulsa. Uh, he covers our region, which is Kansas and Oklahoma. He has an extensive, uh, extensive background of experience. Most recently, he was with the, the local NPR station, um, and so he's, he's well-versed in uh, how fast the news cycle uh, can change and the importance of getting our message out. Um, I'm just so thrilled to have him on our team and to have him helping uh, leverage this message of the Red Cross, and, you know, and that's that we prevent and alleviate human suffering in the face of emergencies, and we do that by the power of our volunteers and the generosity of our donors. And again, we want to reiterate that, uh, that the Red Cross has issued a national blood emergency. So mm-hmm. um, there are some important individuals out there that have uh, the, the blood that is universal. So let's talk about uh, the different blood types and especially uh, the blood that anybody can use, regardless of what blood type they are. Absolutely. It's really interesting in that, um, you know, the, there's there's different blood types. I just learned that the, the O positive and the O negative, those are the, the universal ones. I believe it's the O negative. That's the and there there there's a crisis for all of the blood types. So if you don't have the O blood type, please do not think that your blood is not needed. The O negative is the the big universal one and in those emergency rooms when there is no time to suss out what the patient's blood type is, that's the that's the type that the doctors reach for immediately. That's the type that, that um, can go for anyone. So we want to make sure that all types, all types understand that they're needed um, and it's critical, especially those O positive and O negative because those are the universal types. And, again, I think it's just really interesting that one of those bags, one, of, one donation can save up to three lives. One so pint, 16, is, 16 ounces. Yeah, the impact is is breathtaking. It truly is. 
No doubt. So look for a blood drive near you. And uh, the thing about it is, is that uh, they won't let you donate as long if you're not healthy. I mean, it's it's great if you want to donate, but uh, uh, if if they just don't feel that you're healthy enough, they'll just uh, defer you, and you can come back uh, at another time. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, one of the best ways that you can get this information is to download our Red Cross Blood Donor app on your phone. Um, you can do that. You can visit redcrossblood.org. You can also call that 1-800-RED-CROSS number. Um, if there's not an immediate opportunity available to donate, you know, we're, ask- we're asking that our donors make the appointment in the days and weeks ahead because the need is great. Um, also, to-, to your point, the health and safety of everyone attending these blood drives across the country is a priority. Uh, not only are we still battling this pandemic, but we've got, you know, flu season and cold season and and that's the thing that um, while we uh, require all blood donors, staff, other blood drives to, to wear our face masks, to, um, to be safe regardless of any other status, uh, we'll do those pre-donation uh, questions. They'll check your iron. And, yeah, so we want to make sure that it's not going to um, affect the donor in a negative way. So we do want to make sure that they're feeling good and that they're healthy but redcrossblood.org, so many resources and tips for preparing to donate for those first-time donors, any anxiety. And I'm happy to talk to anybody if uh, they're having anxiety. My best friend sent me a text this week and said, okay, talk me through it. I'm afraid I'm going to have a panic attack. What can I do? Um, and I just, it, it's fine. It's fine, and I'm, I'm, we're, we're there to help. <laughs> we were all first-time donors at one point, and uh, once you become a donor... Uh, you'll do it just as often as you can. Some people do it a couple times a year. You can do it uh, up to six times a year, I think, uh, every fifty-six days. So if that's you can be right, a, if that's you, right. Depending on yeah, depending on what kind of donation you're mm-hmm. doing, whether it's, it's platelets or whole blood or um, the the basic just red blood uh, donation. And there's there's different ways that that we use these pieces of the product, but they all go into that incredibly important life saving piece. Misty McClellan is the executive director of the American Red Cross for Central and Southwest Oklahoma. Misty, thanks for joining us today. George, I just appreciate any time I get to come visit with you. Thank you so much for having me.